Welcome to the Living the Dream Podcast with Curveball. If you believe, you can achieve. Welcome to the Living the Dream with Curveball Podcast, a show where I interview guests that teach, motivate, and inspire. And today I am joined by two very special guests, Jenny Curtis and Chris Porter. Jenny is an actress. She is also a podcast creator. Jenny has participated in shows like Modern Family and Any Bullet Will Do. And Chris is a Los Angeles-based writer and award-winning composer. They both work for Kirk Cole Media and they are working on the solar podcast and they just have amazing backgrounds. So we're going to let them tell you all about it. So Jenny and Chris, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you hey, for having Curtis. us. Why don't you guys start off by telling everybody a little bit about yourselves? Yeah, Chris, you hop in first. Oh, <laughs> why? He already gave me a great introduction. My name is Chris Porter. I have background in music composition of all things. Got a master's degree from CalArts and undergraduate degree in music composition from Baldwin Wallace University. And I, I, I threw a whole bunch of different things that I think we'll probably get into shortly, but I ended up doing podcasting with Jenny and uh, we've created the show Solar, which I wrote and composed for and Jenny acted in and we co-directed and co-produced and we're very proud to be sharing it with the world. Yes, we are. Hi, I'm Jenny. I, ooh, that was, yeah, that's, I do all the things. I am an actor. I'm also a producer at Comedia. I am the director, producer, one of the voices of Solar, along with Chris, who's our creator and writer and director and composer. We're, we're a very small team on a very big project. We are also in a company called Speakeasy Together, Speakeasy Society, where we create immersive theater and basically, I like being a creative person and so does Chris. So we create together. Yep. <laughs> Good summation. <laughs> well, kind of tell us how you guys got started. What made you guys want to get into theater and acting and all the good stuff that you guys are doing? Oh, what made me want to get into theater? I honestly don't remember. I have always considered myself an actor long before I actually acted. So I don't know what gave me the gall to think of myself that way. But uh, I do remember I, I come from a family that appreciates the the performance arts and all of that. So I grew up going to theater. I remember, uh, I'd say up until my second year at college because I went to a liberal arts college I considered acting to be love but not a profession that would be right for me because I didn't have the confidence to do it and then uh, I had a job one summer working as an internship but it was working as a personal assistant for Patti Lapone, who if you don't know her she is a incredible Broadway actress who has just she slays it on stage and I got to work for her for six weeks while she uh, performed as Mama Rose 
in Gypsy and standing in the wings, watching her be incredible. I had this overwhelming feeling of this is what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. And I don't mean necessarily theater. I just mean the creative, somewhere creative that you live and breathe creativity. It felt right. And I said that to my mother at the end of that summer. And she said, well, are you going back to school then? And I was like, I, oh, I, I didn't realize it was an option not to. And she sort of had, like, she was like, well, it's your life. So I ended up taking a year off of school, applying to acting schools, got into CalArts and went there. And that changed the trajectory of my life completely. And that's how I ended. Well, there's a, a lot longer of a story after that, but that's how, <laughs> that's how I ended up here. Get that. We'll do flashbacks between our two paths. <laughs> I, so I mentioned this earlier, but my degrees are actually in music composition. And I always knew that I loved storytelling and I loved music and I wanted to do the two together. So for a while in high school, I was like, Hey, it'd be really cool to write musicals, just not knowing how involved that whole process actually is to become a musical writer. I, but I, I was like, Hey, this would be really fun. But then when I started developing my musical voice in undergrad, I was like, I don't really do musicals because especially rock musicals were really popular at the time. And that's just not kind of what I did since then I've grown and I can now write rock music very convincingly, but it was at the time I was like, that's not what I want to do. So I started thinking maybe I would want to write operas or something, but always doing music with stories was always really important to me. So I made my minor, had to jump through a couple hoops to do it, but my minor in undergrad was creative writing. Then I actually took some time, took some screenplay courses out in California, and then I applied to CalArts, but for music composition again. But while I was CalArts, they have a huge animation department there. So I started doing music for some of the student animations. And then I started saying, hey, can I also do the sound design for these animations? And started finding out ways that I could make the music part of the sound design and vice versa, where it's like, hey, what if instead of a ticking clock, we have a piano note repeating and things like that? I So that led me to that particular skill set. And I really enjoyed telling stories that way. And then as I put it, right after I graduated, I somehow got adopted by the theater school. In particular, close friend of both of ours, Julianne Just, she was doing her thesis project and she said, hey, Chris, would you come and do the music for it? And I did. And that was just like a whole new experience, getting like an actual group of actors, you know, at my fingertips who were willing to do these things and create these sounds. And it was just, it was a very cool experience. So I kept working with Julianne and eventually she was like, hey, here are my friends, Genevieve Gearhart and Matthew Bamberg Johnson. And they actually founded a speakeasy society that we mentioned earlier. And they invited me as a test audience to one of their shows. And I was blown away because what they do is called immersive theater. And that's theater that basically has no fourth wall where you as an audience member are part of the story and actually get to be a part of the action and the choices that are made. Uh, it's not just saying like, hey, you, you have a funny tie on. It's like, no, you are here. I need to tell you the story. We need to make a choice and do these things together. And we guide you through a story that way. Uh, it's, it's, and I had never seen a show like that. The story I always tell is that I showed up for this test run. And at one point they put me in a shower stall and I watched this conversation hiding in a shower stall between two of the actors. And it was the most 
incredible sensation of like this i'm supposed to be here but at the same time i felt so voyeuristic and i was like this is incredible and i wrote them this like nine page email and i was like please let me know if you ever need anything and so they brought me back later that year to do music on a show that they did and we all got along well enough that then they asked me to start doing some writing for the company and i started writing for the company and at that point that's where our particular paths do cross where jenny was a friend of those three people who founded the speakeasy society and she ended up being in one of the speakeasy shows which was which was johnny three yeah (laughs) i think johnny was the first one we met on yeah Yeah, which was a whole a whole intense show about a world war one soldier i and i in that i got to do a lot of writing and in particular there's this one monologue that the character called mother gives and jenny would give it every night and i would just because of the nature of the beast i would always have to run around and hide so that the audience couldn't see me so i ended up trapped in this dark closet at the end of the hallway listening to jenny give this monologue that that i had i had tried really hard to make very good and she was just giving it her all and the audience was bawling and stuff and i was like Hey, this is a good person to make a friend. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's be friends. Hey, likewise. It was one yeah. of my favorite monologues I've ever had. So yeah. So Chris and I have worked together creatively before Kurt Co Media. And then when Kurt Co came about as podcasting, we both started working more in the talk show side of it because those were the quicker shows to launch. Chris produced a co- show called Cars That Matter. I produced a couple shows, a show called Hollywood Unscripted, and then uh, a show called Moment of Your Time. We both collaborated on an improv show called When Last I Left. And all the while, while we were doing all of these other projects, the main project that we all had, a big pipe dream project was Solar, which we spent two and a half years uh, developing, writing, working on, finally producing, and just started releasing five weeks ago. So there you well, have it. Well, before we get into solar, kind of talk about the shows that you've been in and kind of the stuff that you've done. Jenny, you've done things like Modern Family and Chris, you've done a lot of stuff. So there might be some people in the audience that don't know, haven't heard of some of your shows. So both of you guys kind of give a brief rundown, then we'll jump into solo. Yeah, absolutely. I will say Modern Family is definitely the uh, the flashiest name on my resume, as obviously it was an incredible show. I will wholeheartedly admit I was a teensy, teensy, tiny, tiny, tiny role on Modern Family. So I, I can't claim any fame from it, but it was had a one day shoot. I was on Oh, I believe it was in season six. There was an episode of the Halloween episode and there was a, a trial going on. And I, that was the, a couple of scenes that I was in and I was there for one day and it was, I got to say the best day of my life. <laughs> like what, <laughs> what an amazing to be on a set with people who truly love their jobs. Like, obviously it's a hit show. And so everyone's happy because who doesn't want to be working on a success, but it was one of the like friendliest, happiest sets I've ever been on where, you know, everybody said hi to each other, made sure they knew who you were, even if you were this tiny little part. And I, it was such a a day that will stay with me forever because I truly felt appreciated even though there was no need to appreciate me because I was such a small little cog in this giant important machine so I loved I loved that modern family I would say my most of my acting roles I mean I I don't know that 
most people will ever come across them. But <laughs> yeah, as you mentioned, I was in a had a movie called Any Bullet Will Do. We shot that in Montana in the winter in negative temperatures. It was a really incredible experience and really awful experience for a whole bunch of reasons that we would need a whole entire podcast to go through. <laughs> and <laughs> it was definitely one of those stepping stones to learning how to how to speak up for myself creatively, how to take care of myself creatively, and how to work as a team member in really, really hard conditions. Because shooting an indie film in the mountains in the dead of winter is tough. (laughs) But it was definitely an experience that, again, I will treasure as hard as it was. I'm trying to think what other roles I could tell you about, like the Speakeasy Society, if anybody's listening. What about and- postpartum? Oh, postpartum was a really fun one. Yeah, that um, that's a short. I know it's on Amazon Prime. And I will say like, so my one of my dreams when I was younger, one of my dream roles to look up to was the character of Lisa in Girl Interrupted, who was Angelina Jolie's you know, Oscar winning role. And she's just this truly disturbed woman. And, you know, as an artist, I want to play those roles. <laughs> I think they're a lot of fun. And so this, when this came across my, I, I didn't have a desk when it, I got emailed the script, whatever. And I had this audition and I was like, wow, this is, this is very much the type of role that fills that need or, or scratches that itch or whatever. So it was set in an insane asylum and I got to really dig into the dark recesses of my mind. And it was one of, you know, to sidestep a little bit and go back to speakeasy. One of the show of Johnny, everybody said, when we arrived to our first rehearsal, we were going around the room and saying like, what do you want to do here? Or what do you want? Why are you here? What do you want to do? And it was a really tumultuous time, I think for me, but I think also in the country, And one of my answers was, I just want to (laughs) cry. I would like the opportunity to cry. (laughs) So Chris wrote in his script, lots of opportunities for me to cry. I don't remember that. So that's (laughs) with postpartum. It was very much like that, where they, there was a day where they were like, okay, you've kind of got to, you've got to dig in there and you've got to lose it on take after take after take after take. And it was incredibly cathartic for me because I I think that was the first time I'd been faced with that challenge on film where, you know, in theater, you're living through it. So I think it's a lot easier to organically get to your emotions because the scenes build naturally. And on film, sometimes you're dropping in right at the moment where you're supposed to be at the height of your emotions. And so it was the first experience for me where I really had that challenge and had to deliver because it wasn't like on a set with friends. It was on a set with professionals and I was getting paid for this and I better deliver. And I really enjoyed that challenge. And I think was the first time I thought, Oh, I think I can do this professionally. You know, I should have known that before accepting a paid job, but I, <laughs> but I really enjoyed it because I feel like set a challenge for me that I was able to step up to. And it was a fun experience. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, similarly, I kind of took my first job, not telling anyone I didn't know what I was doing. I, the, I had mentioned that after I got my 
BFA in music composition, I took some screenplay courses out here in California. And it turns out that was a great place to do networking because there were a whole bunch of screenwriters who were also looking to get their films made. So I was trying to also be like, hey, I'm a composer. And someone did think that I had actually scored a silent film because I had written a piece in undergrad called Keystone Cops, which was meant to mimic the silent film Keystone Cops. And uh, they thought I had written a whole silent film score before. So they said, hey, I just did a silent film. Would you score it? And I was like, yes. And didn't look back, figured out how to do it and got it done. Everyone was very happy. I ended up working with him on a bunch of other small indie films. He works out of Michigan. Joshua Quartet is his name. And it's through there that I actually won a couple of awards for my scores on his films. I, the, the other part, much more niche that people wouldn't know of is I got to write a whole bunch of songs for an education platform based out of Singapore. So I never actually got to go to Singapore, but I had a friend from graduate school who had gone to CalArts Davis Vu, and then he had gone to Singapore and he was like, Hey, can you come and do the music and sound for this whole animated series? Uh, it was two different series. One was Twinkle Trails, one of which there's a song called The Solar System, and it has, I think it's nearing 4 million views on YouTube or something. Definitely the most viewed, listened to anything I've ever done in my life. But then there was this other program that I did the animation, sound, and music for uh, called DQ Hero. And I forget what DQ, I think Digital Quality Hero. It was trying to teach children about good internet habits. Uh, And so there's actually like a whole part of my work that only children in Singapore have seen, which is a strange fact. But as I mentioned, when I got accepted, you know, were wrapped into the Speakeasy Society, I started also working with a whole bunch of other theater people, including Independent Shakespeare Company, which is located out here in Los Angeles. And they do the Griffith Park Free Shakespeare Festival every summer. And so I got to do a bunch of their shows and it's just, it's so much fun getting to do that and work with different directors who trust your voice and, and they see what you're contributing. But in particular, my writing voice developed because of the Speakeasy Society and because they kept saying, Hey, we need, we need a scene that does XYZ. Can you go write that, Chris? And I would do it. And then a director would step into a room rehearsal and be like, Chris, there's a, something needs to be happening in the sound in the scene. Like, how does that work? And so it became like this playground of me saying, like, well, how much can the music carry the words and how much can the words, you know, combine with the music? And that's really what helped me be a better writer and composer. And I think back to that screenplay workshop where I was trying to network and lie to people about my experience. And there were actually two people there, husband and wife, who was a, one was a composer, one was a writer. And they specifically told me I, that I needed to pick either writing or music, that I couldn't do both. And it would take forever and be too much professionally. And I remember like thinking about that for like months and being like, are they right? Do I need to quit one or the other? And I don't think they gave bad advice, but it just wasn't the right advice for me because I don't think I would have been happy had I given up one or the other. So the fact that I kind of just kept trying to do both and it God smiled down on me and put me with the right people and put me in the right circumstances so that I can be doing both. And it's, it's the most fulfilling output of my career. Hell yeah. Well, let's jump in and talk about solar. Tell us what that is and how can we listen and tell us all about it. You want to take it, Chris? <laughs> I'll, I'll take, I'll take the first part. Then you take the second. I, so we can go origin story to how they can listen to it, but uh, definitely early on in, in the early days of Kurt Co media, there were, 
was conversations of we wanted there to be a narrative podcast. And I was like, hey, I have this idea about people on board a spacecraft that's damaged in close orbit to the sun. Just because I'd seen so many science fiction movies about going out to the far reaches of space. I was like, it'd be cool to have something that goes inwards and see what happens there. I So they gave me a week to write up a full pitch. And by full, I mean, we still didn't even have half the characters in that pitch, but at least it was like, <laughs> here's how the story could work and how the story could unfold. And I got greenlit for the development process. And so we started writing it and I would write certain portions and then we would have actors come in to like read them at times just to make sure that things were developing appropriately. And eventually it turns into this show about damaged spacecraft that has been damaged because of an immense solar flare that not only overloaded the ship but was pointed directly at earth so these two crew members are not only struggling to connect with each other to survive they're struggling to try to reach earth which they don't even know if it's functional to be able to you know help them in any way shape or form so it very much is a survival story with a ticking clock of you know we have to reach earth before we don't have a window to get home but we don't know if there is an earth so it's a it's a big cry into the wilderness at the same time they're listening to old recordings to try to unravel what was happening on board the ship because there were a lot of mysteries and a lot of crossed purposes between the crew because there were two different organizations who are jointly going on this venture, but they don't really like each other. One's from the public sector called Mask, one's from the private sector called Simtech, and they're kind of at odds and keeping secrets from each other. And that's what's tearing the crew apart, even before the ship gets torn apart. So it, it turned into this beautiful, very complicated world that we all are very excited about. I uh, And all we had to do at that point was figure out the casting. <laughs> so... Go ahead. Yeah, for, I was going to say from that level, just to put it in a quick nutshell of on the top, Solar is an audio drama. It is a cinematic story told uh, only through performance and sound design and music. And it is 12 episode with 13 additional scenes that come out outside of the episodes. Uh, and it is a dark, poetic, thriller, sci-fi, drama, heart-wrenching examination of what it is to be human <laughs> that's why <laughs> and headphone listening is strongly suggested because and please listen on headphones there's a lot of details in those sounds yeah. absolutely yeah we did produce the whole thing in i mean it's kind of a buzzword but 3d audio so you've got sounds coming from all around you we used software such as dolby atmos and dear vr we have an amazing sound designer named cj drummeller i know chris had just mentioned casting so to talk about our cast we have a really yep. amazing cast leading the cast is stephanie beatrice who her is just on fire she's it, She's from she's Brooklyn Nine Nine. She was uh, in, in the Heights. She most famously recently did Encanto. Yeah, she's the voice of Mirabelle in Encanto. Encanto, and she is just a phenomenal actress who we are so lucky to have on board, on board the ship. And we have an amazing actor named Jonathan Bangs, who we actually both know from Speakeasy Society, who also went to Cal Arts, and he is just a stunning actor. And so the two of them have built this, they lead the story in a way that you can't help but get sucked in. And mm -hmm. surrounding them, we have Alan Cumming, who is just, it was a dream to work with Alan. We have Helen Hunt and, you know, we're still pinching ourselves that we got to work with an Academy Award winning actress on this show. Danielle Pinnock, who's from CBS's Ghosts. 
We have Colin Ford. We have Ann Yatko. We have just unbelievable actors in this thing who all brought their A game. And it was coming for me, coming from a performance background, performance was paramount. And I think everybody knocked it out of the park. And I'm just so proud to listen to what they did. One of the huge elements of the show that was there before the pandemic, but it is about isolation to some extent because of how the characters are in their situations. I And so as coming then out of the pandemic, it had this extra resonance to the whole story of like, well, now we all actually really do know what isolation feels like. And I we also, fun facts, had to record each of the actors separately, one at a time, which means that I, I, Jenny had to be there and be the person that they were interacting with for the whole shoot so that even when you listen to it and two people are talking, they weren't actually talking to each other and had to be carefully directed and edited and mixed so that it would be these people talking to each other and not just reciting their lines. Yeah, so, it was just yes. an incredible process. Yeah. So what would happen, you know, the actor would be in the booth. And like I said, I, I believe in getting the best performance out of people. We're not going to just make them say the lines, right? As, as I know, that might be one way of doing it. We wanted them to actually get to act through the scene. So I would, I would be on the other side of the glass because it's the pandemic. So we weren't interacting in person or face to face. There was a barrier between us. And I would be essentially playing every single other role other than the one they were saying. So they had real reactions to the the actions happening in the script. And I think that really brought out the best in everybody. And it was a lot of fun for me because I got to do a lot of acting. <laughs> <laughs> well, what else are you guys working on besides Solo? Are there any upcoming projects that people need to know about? You know, right now, I mean... The world of solar is so big and it keeps expanding and we would like it to keep expanding. So that will hopefully be where our attention lies. Right now, it is all still focused on getting solar out, getting solar heard, making sure people know it exists. Because, and I've said this, you know, I was saying this to someone yesterday where we come from a creative community and it's so amazing to see everybody around us building things they care about and putting their energy and time into things. And the problem with that is then some people are unable to, uh, not unable, I mean, how do I say this best? It's really hard to get people to actually support each other's work because everybody's got their own work they're focused on. And, uh, you know, we've all been guilty of the same thing. And I try really hard not to do that. I try to support everyone around me and, and, pay attention to their projects as well. But it's hard in a world where there is such an over, uh, not overactive, what's the word I'm looking for? It's just their work is overproduced now. There is, there is so much noise out there. It's really hard to cut through it. And so I really hope that people take the time to find something of quality and and pay attention to that and support it so that more work of quality rises to the top. And so right now, all of our attention is on getting people to pay attention. The, uh, so I'm not quite sure when this will be released, but as of right now, as of this date, as of recording, we're halfway through the episodes that have been created for season one. So there's still definitely a lot more story to tell. And we encourage everyone to jump on the train and binge up to now if they want to. I, 
we also have uh, some live talkback events coming up. Uh, that's if people can join, that would be amazing. I May 4th at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. I uh, go look at what is it? SolarThePodcast.com. I'm sure the information will be there, but on yeah. both. On bullhorn.com, B-U-L-L-H-O-R-N.com slash solar, that's where we'll be live streaming our talk back and we'll have the ability to answer actual questions and some of the cast, some of the people. crew. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're, uh, we're excited to just engage with people because uh, we hope, we hope they have questions. And beyond that, just we're still working actively with the Speakeasy Society. So if you go to thespeakeasysociety.com, you can check out all of our past work there and keep an eye out for future productions. And give out social media links if people want to stay in touch that way. Absolutely. Yeah. You can find us for Solar. You can find us at Solar the Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. For me, you can find me, the Jenny Curtis, T-H-E-J-E-N-N-Y-C-U-R-T-I-S on Instagram and Twitter. I'm very bad at Twitter, but you can find me, me there. Too. And Chris, what are your handles? My handles on Instagram and I uh, just Instagram, I guess, is at coaster02 and that's C O A S T E R and then the numeral 02. And on Twitter, because there are a lot of Chris Porters and coaster02 is also taken, it's magnificent beast with all of the vowels removed from the word magnificent. <laughs> all right. Well, th- oh, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. No, so I was going to just talk about how delightful I think Chris's brain is. And when I like when we talk about creativity, like his brain goes in the weirdest directions and he delights in the odd. And I think that. Oh, that thanks. I just love it. I love it. Well, why don't you guys close us out with some final thoughts real quick? Oh, my goodness. Um, I could talk about this show forever. So my final thought would be I would love to engage with people about it because we have a lot to say about following your passions and creating work that matters to you and not giving up on the thing that brings you joy because it's really really easy to get stuck in a hustle that doesn't do anything for you and this project has reignited my love for giving my all to creating and uh, it has meant the world and the sun and the stars and the universe to me. The only words of wisdom I can shoot out are, it's really hard to make something good and it's worth it though. So make sure that you you do it with people that you want to do it with and you're doing stuff that you love doing because that's the only way to get it done. Well said, ladies and gentlemen, please be sure to follow, rate, review after listening and go check out the solar podcast and everything that Jenny and Chris is going to be up to and Android listeners go to the Google Play Store and download the Living the Dream with Curveball podcast app. Jenny Curtis and Chris Porter, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Curtis. Thank, thank you, you Curtis. so much. For more information on the Living the Dream podcast, visit www.djcurveball.com. Until next time, stay focused on living the dream. dream.